everyone, I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. This is, it's either episode 603 or 604, um, I can't remember, but i got another interview coming up for you real soon. I do want to mention that this is brought to you by Keeper's Concealment, the leading authorities on appendix carry. If you like to carry that way, check them out, keepersconcealment.com. And there's a discount code on their website. I'll also give it to you now, Handgun World, and that'll get you a discount. So this week, I have one of my listeners, Matt Krawczak. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. You're welcome. Did I say your last name correctly? You sure did, yeah. Okay, Matt, you are up in Michigan, right? Yes, sir. Right up in uh, Bay City, Michigan. Like I said, I'm tucked right in between kind of where the thumb and the hand meet, uh, right in the right in the Great Lakes Bay Area. Oh, yeah. It's good to talk to another Midwesterner. Some people who have been listening to me for a while, they've figured out I'm a cheesehead from Wisconsin. And that's where I yep. grew up. And I, I grew up there, went to college there, and then got out. Yep. Uh, I grew up here and not too far from here, and I stayed right around the same area. Well, I work I, in this area, and we've lived here for... All 34 of my years. I kind of like that. I think that's good. Sometimes I miss the upper Midwest. I really do. I don't miss the winters, but, you know, I dealt with them for 24 years. Right. They're not too bad. They're no. pretty mild nowadays. They are. And after all this 100-degree heat we've been having here in South Texas, I am jealous. Oh, we're not too far off. Uh, we've had quite a few weeks of upper 80s, low 90s with humidity in the, the 70s. It's been kind of a rough couple weeks. Ooh, 70% humidity. Ouch. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, it uh, gets... It gets that, that's pretty sticky, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It gets pretty damp in these areas. Well, Matt, thank you in advance for your time. I appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure to talk to some of my listeners. I don't get a chance to do this very often. Yeah, it's I'm great to great to be on the show. I like what you're doing. I like your show, and I'd like uh, the opportunity to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. So I've got this series going that I call What Do You Carry and Why? And I've already brought a couple of other people on to talk about that. So, Matt, what do you carry and why? So one of my everyday carry guns is going to be something a little bit different than you're probably used to hearing. Uh, you're probably used to the, the 43X guys. I know that's something that you carry in the 365 and the Hellcat, but I actually personally carry a Glock 32, which is the compact 357 SIG, is the one that rides with me most of the time. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I had a chance to shoot a Glock 32 one time. I was teaching a class with Ben Branham. It was about six or seven years ago, and one of our students brought a Glock 32, and it was a third gen. Is that what yours is? Mine is a Gen 4. Gen 4, Glock 32. All right, 357 SIG. So why did you pick that gun? So I actually have a rotation of carry guns that I go with. Okay. Um, just real quickly, I have a 43, a 43X, a 48, a 26, and then the 32. That's my rotation. I train with all of them equally. So it's not like I just pick a gun off the dresser and think, hey, I'm going to carry this today. I'm efficient with all of them. Good. But I like the 32. Um, it's the size of the 19 pretty much. The 19 is actually about an eighth inch longer. 
and uh, but the 32 does have a longer barrel, uh, just barely. And then the 32 is a tad bit higher than the 19 from the top of the slide to the bottom of the grip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I essentially carry a 19, but just with a little more horsepower underneath it. I do own a 19. Uh, I carry it outside the waistband every once in a while. I train with it outside of the waistband every once in a while. But I figure if I'm going to conceal a 19, why not something have have something just a little bit spicier with a 32 and go with a 357? Well, I like yeah. I, I carry uh, the Underwood hollow points. Ooh. So, I mean, they're they're a pretty good round. And uh, like I said, that's it's just a little bit more than a nine millimeter, but not a you know not up to a forty or a forty five. I know it's kind of the same thing as a forty, but I just have always kind of had a special place for my three fifty seven. That was my first Glock was a thirty one way way back, and I've just always liked the round since then. Wow, three fifty seven Sig and the Underwood ammo. That Underwood ammo, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, that's real good stuff. That that's some. That's what I use. I actually have a, a 10 millimeter, and I use that for hunting. I, I load that in my 10 millimeter, um, and I like it for my carry ammo for my 357. It's a pretty good combination, that gun and that ammo. You got a nice blaster there. That's pretty good. A Glock 32 fourth gen 357 SIG. So tell me what you like about the 357 SIG round. I just feel like I said, I like that it's got a little bit more horsepower than the 9 millimeter. Um, ballistically and uh when they do tests it usually runs you know if you got a winter jacket that you're shooting through or uh it just has that little bit extra punch to get through there and and get into the cavity a little bit deeper i like that uh also it's kind of a good gun if you're out in the woods you know in michigan we don't have to worry about grizzly bears or or anything huge but it's a great protection gun for the woods I do I do a little bit of hunting, bow hunting mostly, so I don't usually have a firearm on me other than my concealed carry weapon, and that's a good sidearm to have if you run into a black bear or, or something out there. And it's just I think it's an all round great round, and uh, I just like having a little bit more power than the nine millimeter. Not really a forty five guy. I've never really cared for that round that much. Hopefully, I don't hurt anybody's feelings with that. But <laughs> I just there's always uh, that three fifty seven. That you know you get the. The velocity and the power is just a little bit more than a nine millimeter, but the gun's still the same size. And you know, I only lose one round with the uh, the thirty-two compared to the nineteen, but get quite a bit more uh, power in that. And you know what I like about the three fifty-seven Sig round? It doesn't to me. It doesn't seem like it recoils as much as a forty caliber. No, no, I agree with that. Especially out of that compact frame, the they have the the Glock. 33 i think is the that's the subcompact yes right that one's not fun to shoot i have shot that one um it's not terrible but i i just i wasn't a big fan of it but like i said i really like that compact size uh that one fits in my i'm a big guy i'm 6'3 250 pounds so Mm, uh recoil in a in a in a handgun isn't really a much of a, a problem for me so I can I can afford to carry something with a little bit extra to it, and that that platform with that ammo and that gun just it shoots smooth. I'm accurate with it. I like I said, I train with it. I'm proficient with it, and I like having that little bit extra. It might even just be a, a placebo effect in my mind to have that little bit extra umph behind the round. But I just that's why I, I like the 357. And like you said, there's not as much recoil usually as the 40, and it's it's not a slow round like the 45 is. And you know that 357 Sig round. Uh, people who have used it, law enforcement units that have used it, and military units, they have a lot of praise for it. They really like its ballistics. Yeah, it's 
that's what I, you know, I agree ballistically. If you, if you look at some of the tests when they compare it to the nine millimeter and even the 40, um, you know, through windshields, it usually does a little bit better. You get through the, the layers of clothing, it usually performs a little bit better. So that's one of the reasons why I like to carry that. And I, I prefer to carry a compact gun rather than a subcompact. Um, I do always carry, I carry appendix. So I always do have an extra uh, magazine on me. I have a whole appendix rig that I wear. That's the, the firearm and the uh, spare mag off to my left, which would be my weak hand. And uh, so I always have, I have in that gun, I have the 13 plus one rounds plus another 13 round magazine on my side. So definitely a lot of power there, a lot of capacity. Yeah, well, you already answered a couple of questions I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you how you carry it. You said appendix and what you carry for a spare magazine. So you've already answered that. What appendix rig are you using? I run the Tier 1 Concealed. On that specific gun, I run a Tier 1 Concealed Axis Slim Appendix Rig. I've got quite a few of those. I know you're sponsored by the Keepers. I, I was it's okay. interested in looking up what they have. Um, but I, I think Tier 1 Concealed and all my carry guns, I have about seven or eight of their holsters, and they're a home run to me. I just I love them. I've never really had a reason to, to look elsewhere. I've tried other holsters. Some of the cheaper ones, I've tried Amazon holsters just to, you know, I had a training day that day and I forgot to, to bring my holster with me and I, you know, it was somewhere else and I had to order one and have it in two days. I've tried Amazon $20, $30 deals and you know how that goes. But yeah. <laughs> as far as as far as the quality goes, I've, I've, I bought one tier one concealed Axis Elite and uh, after that I kind of just stuck with that brand and I like I said, I've got like seven or eight of their holsters. I got two more on the way right now and uh I just love the the product that they have. They well, that's good. Like I, like I said, I'm a bigger guy, so um, having a good, comfortable appendix rig uh, that fits nice and I can carry all day. You know, I, I carry everywhere I go. I'm not one of those guys that just every once in a while I always have my firearm on me unless it's not legally allowed to be wherever I'm at. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm I'm all a, a big believer in what works for you. So as long as you've got gear that works for you, I like something you said earlier. You said you practice and you train a lot with your your Glock 32, and that's the most important thing is practicing and training. Would you agree? Oh, I completely agree with that. I I believe that you are not armed just because you have a firearm but you are not fully armed until you have the training and the know-how to use that firearm. Just because you have a hammer, you're not a, you know, you're not a construction worker. You have to know how to do construction. So it's just a tool. You have to know how to use the tool. Just because you have a set of golf clubs doesn't mean you're good at the game. And just because exactly. you have a, just because you might have a piano doesn't mean you're a concert pianist either. Exactly. That's good. So yep. you, so you've, you got that in the appendix carrying, you got an extra magazine and so you got 13 rounds in your extra magazine. You got in the pistol 13 plus one, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so you said you also have a 43 and a or 43x and a 48. I actually have every Glock nine millimeter pistol that there is, other than the 18, because ah. <laughs> I don't have the proper licensing for that one. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> and it I don't feel fun, it, though, it? it would be really fun, but man, I tell you what, uh, um, no thanks. I, I'm not going to go through all that. Um, it's just right. not worth it. You know, if you train and practice, you can be good enough. And we can't carry a Glock 18 anyway. That's not allowed. So, but it'd be it'd be fun to own. Absolutely, yeah, it would be. It'd be yeah, 
it'd be one of those things you take out to the range every once in a while and with ammo prices the way they are now you shoot 100 bucks of ammo in a quick 30 seconds and you put her back in the bag <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up how much is the 357 sig ammo um, it's actually not terrible, depending on where you get it from. I can get a box of fifty for right around twenty-five to thirty dollars. Okay. Um, the Underwood carry ammo for twenty rounds, I believe, was right around thirty dollars. And I like to always mm. have about a hundred rounds of that because I always make sure that it runs through my gun before I carry, as I believe everybody should, just because somebody tells you that a round works. I uh, definitely always want to try out what you're carrying. You don't want to be in the situation where you need it and it doesn't work. So I always buy 100 rounds of whatever I carry and whatever pistol I have, and I usually try to shoot at least three boxes and then have enough to carry it, enough to reload after I practice with the firearm again. So do you do you reload your ammo? No, I mean just reloading it back oh, you meant, the firearm. Oh, you meant putting a, putting a fresh magazine in. Yeah, okay. yeah sir. That's what Sorry, you meant I'm by reload. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, no. there's two ways to use that reload term, uh, and that is either inserting a fresh mag or reloading your own ammo <laughs> yep i do not reload my own ammo i don't think i have the patience for it i don't have the patience for it either i have heard people say that the 357 sig is a pretty challenging to reload yeah i've also heard that yeah and i mean the reload as if uh making more ammo not right, putting a fresh right. magazine pressing, in. pressing the yeah pressing the round into the casing and yeah that kind of reloading so, all right, so you've got almost every, or you said you have every Glock 9mm, except the Glock 18. Yes, and sir. And you gave me a pretty good list earlier of your carry guns. What were what were some of the others? So, I, I can give you kind of how it started and how it's going so sure. quickly. Uh, when I was younger, in my early 20s, I'm 34 years old now, when I was in my early 20s, uh, I, was into, I was into firearms and not really into it. I just had a couple buddies that were into it. Um, I was into it for a little bit and then I just completely fell out of it. It wasn't an interest of mine anymore. And, you know, I just, I fell out of it and then I got back into it right when the 43 came out, right when just the regular Glock 43 came out. And that was the first gun that I, I purchased again oh, when yeah. I was like, all right, I want to carry and train again. And so I did that. I really like the 43. I've actually done most of my training classes with my 43. They're all defensive pistol training classes, all from a draw, all from a holster, um, and I probably got 5,000 rounds through that 43 as wow. far as training goes. Wow. I then, I then they released the 43X, and I was like, man, that's just like the same thing, but it fits in my hand a lot better. So I grabbed that, and then I really liked the 48, and I grabbed that, and then I actually used to really, really dislike the Glock 26. Uh, I had a couple buddies who had it, just never felt good in my hand. But I bought one. It was actually the last one I needed to have every Glock 9mm. <laughs> and I kind of fell in love with it. And I put a magazine extension on that one, on the one that I carry in my firearm, the stock Glock Plus 2 mag extension. I have yeah. that on the, I carry that in a Tier 1 concealed access slim holster as well. And I have uh, the Plus 2 extension on both magazines. Uh, so I carry, I think, 13 in the gun. And then I have 12. 12 reload. Spare mag. Yep. And, uh, so I carry that one pretty often with the extension on there. It fits in my hand grade. I like a little bit thicker of the grip on there. And so I, like I said, I rotate between, I don't really carry the 43 anymore. Sometimes if it's my only option, when I take my kid for a walk, I'll throw it in a pocket holster and carry it in my basketball shorts. Okay. But I usually carry my 43 X, my 48, my 26 and the 32. And like I said, I don't just carry them. I swap every single one of them out and I train with every one of them every week. 
Uh, man, I love to hear that. I think that is awesome. So another question I have for you is you're up there in Michigan. So you got the four seasons, which I'm very familiar with. Do you change your carry methods or carry guns depending on the season? I do not. I can comfortably okay. carry. Um, most of the time in the in the summertime, I'm wearing just a pair of, you know, shorts and a t-shirt, and I can carry. I can, I actually have a 17 that I have an appendix rig for, and I can carry that with the spare magazine nice. in my normal everyday attire without changing anything, and you can't tell. Um, nice. And I'm a, I guess I'm cold blooded. I don't usually. I don't even own a jacket, even though I live in Midland or sorry, Michigan. Sounds weird, but I you don't, don't own a jacket in Michigan. I don't. Oh my goodness. But, <laughs> So I don't, I don't really wow. have to change much about what I carry. Yeah. That 32, like I said, is about, you know, it's a pretty bulky package. And uh, I can carry that in the summer just as well in the winter. The only difference is, is that from a draw in the wintertime, i got to pull my hoodie up and my T-shirt, not just my T-shirt. Yeah, okay. At least you you got the hoodie on at least, right? Yeah, yep. Oh, yep, wow. Those I do own. Yeah, I have a lot of listeners from all over the USA, even from other countries. And so I wanted you to talk about if there was a difference based on the season. So for you, the answer is no, not much difference. For me, the answer is no, but a lot of the people that I work with, that I train with, that I talk to at the range, theirs does. Um, those guys, most of the guys I train with still carry the smaller frame guns. Two of them carry a 365, which I think is an amazing gun. I just don't own one. I'm kind of waiting to get my hands on the new one that just came out, the X-Macro. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have two of the other guys I train with have a 43X. And, uh, like I said, I have that, I also have that firearm. Mine's no longer custom. It's got a different slide. It's got a different barrel, different sights and everything on it. Pretty, uh, it's a pretty smooth looking rig, but, um, you know, those guys in the summertime, in the summertime, they wear, you know, tank tops and it's easier for them to conceal just a smaller frame pistol and just tuck it. A lot of them guys carry it on their hip on the inside of their waistband. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just not comfortable. I don't train that way. Uh, so I carry appendix, like I said, but those guys do change it. I think every single one of those either goes to a 19 or a 320 in the wintertime where they wear bulkier, bulkier clothes, and they actually will carry it outside the waistband if they got a big jacket and stuff on. So most of the time, the seasons do change what you carry and how you carry. Uh, just for me personally, it does not. Well, I'm kind of like you. It does not for me. Now, down here in San Antonio, Texas, you know, we have summer nine months of the year. And right. so, but it doesn't matter. I, I always carry outside the waistband. Um, no, I, I take that back. I shouldn't say always. Sometimes I carry appendix inside the waistband, but most of the time I'm carrying outside the waistband and it really doesn't matter. Summer, fall, winter, uh, blasted hot like we have here. I prefer to carry in that method outside the waistband, strong side hip. And I train that way, and I I practice that way, and I carry that way, and I know that that gun's going to be there, and I know what spot it's going to be in, and I know how to draw it, and I really don't care too much about concealment, although it does conceal very well. Right. Well, I think yeah, up here we can, you know, we're an open carry state as well. Yes. So if you do carry outside the waistband, and you're at the grocery store, and your shirt's not, you know, tucked over or whatever, it's not going to be a legal issue. I mean, you're probably going to get some weird looks or whatever, but, you know, those same people will be happier there in a, in a time of need. So 
Yeah, it's not going to be a legal issue, but up there in Bay City, Michigan, will they call the cops on you, or are they pretty tolerant with all that? I think it all depends on what store you're at. Um, I've never, I used to, when I was younger, I used to kind of, I had, see, I had my CPL when I was younger. I let it expire, and then it was three or four years before I renewed. Um, But I was young, and I'd like to say I was smart then, but I didn't always make the good decisions, and I used to every so often carry one outside the waistband with my shirt behind it so everybody could see it. <laughs> now knowing how dumb of an idea that was, oh, yeah. um, I didn't I didn't really realize it at the time. I was just, hey, you know, I have a firearm on me. I mean, I was still safe with it. I still trained with it, but it was just, uh, you know, yeah. just a young kid being a young kid. But Not really a good I, tactic. Uh, not at all. No, unless you like being a target. Well, or unless you like irritating people and, and maybe they do call the cops on you or something like that. Right. I do see it pretty often. I do see uh, a lot of public places. You know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of uh, not chain restaurants in Bay City, a lot of private owned restaurants, and a lot of them have outdoor seating in the summer and fall. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want to eat outside in the 90 degree heat. It's beyond me, but. (laughs) We do um, it here all the time down in San Antonio. (laughs) But people do do that. And as long as they're not drinking, usually you see. you can see if you walk through downtown, you'll see a couple guys out there. Usually, usually, actually, it's the motorcycle riders, and uh, they'll have one on their hip, and they don't ever really have any problems as long as you're being respectful and not being flashy about it, and not being ignorant about it. I think people just kind of leave you alone. It's really interesting, you know. You talk about Michigan; it's it's an open carry state, and you know the the politics of Michigan. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with politics because I don't like to do that on my show, but some of the political leaders seem to be somewhat anti-gun, but yet you got a lot of good gun-friendly laws, don't you? Yeah, that's, yeah, you nailed it on the head. Um, We don't have, you know, without getting too far into politics, we don't have the people on our side um, as far as gun laws go, but we do have pretty... I guess compared to a lot of other states, lax gun laws for for the, the political climate our state is in. And, you know, like you said, it's a shall-issue state for your CPL, and it's an open-carry state. So, I mean, we still we can still enjoy, you know, we, there's places like New York and New Hampshire and stuff that are, are starting to be pretty hard to, to carry a gun and have a gun, and other, other than until the recent Supreme Court decision, but that's politics, and we don't want to get into that, but yes, we do have pretty lax gun laws here in Michigan for the political climate that we are in. And what are the requirements there for a CPL? So you have to take your class. Uh, you have to go take your class. Obviously, you can't have any felonies or anything like that, or any misdemeanors. That would be domestic violence or, or along that. I mean, you can still take the class. The instructor would be happy to still take your money from you but you're not going to get approved by the state for your CPL. But so you have to just go take a class. You're required to take an eight hour class at least. Eight hours, uh, okay. Most of the classes are now a one day class. So it's usually six hours in class. And then they'll do like a two hour range time where I believe the, the state minimum is 50 rounds or 80 rounds have to be shot at the range. I know that all the classes that I've been part of, um, I have an instructor that does all my defensive training and I sat in on a few of his classes because I'm, I'm in the process of taking the USCCA CPL instructors course as we speak. Excellent. So I sat in on a couple of his classes and he makes everybody shoot 80, but if more is needed, if he thinks more is needed, he's very passionate. He's a great guy. Uh, he's not just going to let you walk out of there not knowing what you're doing. If he thinks more is needed, he'll, he'll keep you after and he'll work with you one-on-one or or if there's more than one and that he has to work with, he'll keep them after and he'll do extra work with them. 
Excellent. Do you ever do much traveling to other states with your gun? I do not. The only other state I frequent is Florida, and I fly there. I don't take my gun. Um, my in-laws stay there, and since we both have uh, a CPL, if I ever did need to take a gun, I believe Florida is the same as Michigan, where if you have a CPL and the other person has a CPL, you can legally transport each other's firearms. I'm not 100% sure. I would have to check on that again. Um, but usually when I go there, I'm on vacation in a beach house and not many worries around there. And Michigan and Florida have reciprocity, do they not? Yes, they do. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. And you could always, uh, even when you went to Florida, you could always borrow a firearm there too. Right. Yeah, like I said, my father-in-law stays down there, and he's usually got a 43X and a 19 with him. So okay. if, needed, if needed, I could just grab one of his and rock and roll. Well, you've you've given us a wealth of information here. Um, I really like what you said. I like the what what you're talking about that you're practicing and that you're training. It's it's so important. You know, so many people they think what you and I were talking about earlier. I have a gun. I'm good just because I have it. Yeah, that's like I said. There's I don't put as much emphasis on firearms when people. I get a lot of people who ask me, what should I, you know, they're getting a CTL class. What should I carry? Um, and touching back on the show that you did about the, the Indiana guy that stopped the shooting in the mall, and you kind of talked about what we should maybe reconsider what we carry. And I even did a, a YouTube channel on, or a YouTube show on that. Um, you know, a lot of the times you go to the gun store and it was just always, you know, I got my CPL. They try to get you the smallest gun, the easiest to conceal. I think we need to change our outlook on that and carry something a little bit bigger, train for situations that are a little bit longer, not your standard 21-foot or your arm's length stuff. Yeah, train for that stuff because that stuff's all good. But, I mean, what happens if you're in a situation where you got to make that 42- or 43-yard shot? Uh, you know, training is the number one thing. If you buy one of the, the, uh, the good companies' firearms nowadays, they're all, you know, you buy a Springfield, you buy a SIG, you buy a Glock. Any of those guns are going to be pretty reliable, so the training is where you have to come in. The gun's going to do its part. You have to do your part. You have to know what to do. You have to get that muscle memory down because in a time where your, your adrenaline kicks in, that's going to be the only thing that keeps you doing what you need to be doing. You are 100% correct, and Mr. Dickin in Indiana, he must have had some kind of practice, some kind of training. I don't think it's it's... I don't, it's not very easy to do what he did unless you've actually practiced that. No, it's if you look at what he did, it's it's literally almost unbelievable to from 43 yards away behind a trash can or whatever he used as concealment. It wasn't cover; it was concealment. Correct. And put eight to ten rounds, or eight excuse me, eight out of ten rounds on the assailant from 43 yards away, and I'm I'm pretty sure that I read it was the first round that dropped him but the, the assailant was still reaching for his gun and was still moving around, so that's why he continued to fire and did what he did. It's almost unbelievable to think about, especially if you go to the range and you try to practice that scenario to see how many people can even hit the target at 40 yards, let alone put an 80% efficiency on it. And I'm going to add one more component to that. He shot it cold. Right. He didn't and have any warm-up on that. That, that and with... I got to imagine was some pretty intense chaos going on around him. I also oh, heard, sure. like I said, this is all hearsay. Um, but I also heard that as he was shooting or getting ready to shoot, well, probably not getting ready to shoot because from the time he's, the, the assailant started shooting to where he 
uh, stepped in and engaged the threat was only 15 seconds, but I heard that he was also directing people where to go for safety to get out of the way of any gunfire that would be going on. That is just absolutely amazing, and I'm sure he has mentally thought that out in advance, probably trained, probably did a lot of practicing. I wish we knew more details on that, but if we never do, I think we can always assume that he he had to have prepared for that. Yeah, it wasn't by happenstance. That, that guy has done his training. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to hand, manipulate his firearm, and he did what he needed to do, and he saved countless lives that day. And like you said, if we don't ever know the, the statistics of it, which I'm sure we will, there's not much the media hides nowadays. Yeah. Um, once once it actually gets into court and, you know, hopefully everything goes how it should, but I'm sure we'll see some details. But like you said, if we don't ever hear the details, then uh, we know that he's at least ran through somewhat similar scenarios in his training that he encountered that day. Yeah, and you mentioned the word court, and I want to ask you a question. You also mentioned USCCA. You're trying to be an instructor. Do you have legal protection? I do not. Um, okay. Once I complete the class, I will sign up to be a member. I recently just signed up for the class. Once I pass, assuming I pass, I mean, I, I should. But once I pass that, I will fill out my membership because you're going to get, I believe it's in a package or you have to buy them separately, but you have to have CPL instructor's insurance, yes. obviously, for anything that may happen out on the range. And I believe that you can also package that in with your um, carry insurance plan which a lot of people don't know is out there. You have to have a, a carry insurance plan. Um, you know, Keepers Concealment is a CCW safe affiliate, but they're all good. Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, USCCA, uh, just find a good reputable carry plan. CCW safe is really good. You can get a discount uh, by, by going to the Keepers website, Keepers Concealment. Why is it that you think that's in, that's important to have the carry insurance? Well, what I think a lot of people don't realize is that even if you did everything right and you were in the right and you were legally, everything you did was by the books, legally correct, you still are going to be questioned by an attorney. You're still going to have to go to court, and the legal fees are usually upwards of two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's and amazing. And if you have carry insurance and you do have to use your gun in a in a defensive act, those insurance companies cover you for your legal fees. Yeah, uh, you're I right. You're right. Oh, Matt, I want to throw something in. We keep calling it insurance. It's really not. It's legal protection. It's advanced legal protection because if it's a good organization, they're going to they're going to give you an attorney on retainer uh, as part of being a member and cover your legal fees, right? Yes, exactly. Insurance means you typically get reimbursed or you have to file a claim. Right. Yep. With the with the, the carry protection like you said, you have a you have a lawyer right there. If you have to call the USCCA, I'm just going to keep using them as an example because I've been working with them lately. But even if I have to call them with a question on the website, your first thing is that if you've had to use, the first thing that comes up on their phone is if you had to use your, your weapon in a defensive situation, press 1 or press star now, and it's going to connect you right with the lawyer right on there, and they'll tell you what to do and what to say to whoever that you have to talk to and how to handle things from there. You're not going to be alone. That is so vitally important, Matt. Thank you for bringing that up because 
there are two fights, in my opinion. There is the fight that you're in to save your life, and then there's the legal fight afterwards to save you and your family from uh, a huge penalty. Right. Or, you know, your family never seeing you again, because if you do get uh, a prosecutor who can prove that you weren't a reasonable person or you weren't in the right and, and you get charged with manslaughter or worse, then, you know, you're not going to be around for a long time as well as your family having to pay your legal fees. So definitely having carry protection and having the legal protection there that you can get from any of those companies that you mentioned before is is definitely a good idea. Like I said, a lot of people, your standard citizen, I don't believe, know that even if you were in the right, you don't just get to put your gun back in your holster and walk away and tell the police have a good day. You're still going to have to have your day in court, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of upfront money. And unless we've got 50 or 60 grand sitting around in the bank with nothing to do, you know, it's important to have the type of advanced legal protection we're talking about. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who just got a couple hundred thousand dollars just to throw away in court <laughs> just for fun. No, not too many of them, but. But the but the people like CCW Safe and USCCA they do have that and they will help they you do. with that. And, they will, and that's one of the good things. Well, Matt, thank you. I appreciate it. I always like to give my guests the last word. So, um, what have we not talked about that you wanted to share with the listeners? Well, I think we covered it, but I just want to say that, like we talked about earlier, having the firearm is just your first step. Being trained with it and being proficient with it is the most important part of it all. You know, just because you have a firearm doesn't mean that you're safe and the people around you are safe, but training with it and getting that muscle memory and knowing what to do with it, knowing the right things to do with it, knowing the legal things to do with it, that's all part of being a responsible armed citizen. And I think that training and doing research is the most important part of being a CTL holder or anybody who carries a firearm for their protection, their family's protection, and the protection of other people. That's terrific. Well, Matt Krozak, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. And you donated your time. And like I say about every guest, uh, I appreciate you donating the time because we can't make more time. We can't go back and change things. And um, I appreciate you giving it to us, okay? I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, Bob. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Well, folks, that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. Also, check out Concealment Solutions. That's who I use for outside the waistband, uh, Kydex outside the waistband holsters. And uh, please become a member of Patreon. Uh, help support me. That's that's how I bring people like Matt and many others on here. This, this takes time and effort, and it's not easy to do. And also, uh, if you can, throw a review up on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app that you use. So, so thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Remember to shoot straight, shoot safe, and read your Bible every day.